0: This is UMass Hockey on WMUA Sports. And we are back for another episode of the Hockey Hour here on 91.1 WMUA. Jacob over there is just finishing his vocal warm-ups along with John Ruggiero. I am Andrew Golden. And uh, there's... A lot to talk about for this week and, and last week, especially since uh, uh, a fr- there was a frustrating game uh, on Friday. Uh, v- UMass lost to Vermont at the gut in overtime, two to one was the final score. Uh, a goal that finally broke the ice uh, in the middle in like the late second period by Ryan Ufko was taken off the board by a debatable major penalty by Scott Morrow. Vermont scored on that power play. And as Greg Carville said on Tuesday, that was basically the difference in the game. So um, Jack Musa said the outcome was debatable, said that they probably they deserved to win that game. Uh, They just didn't get the outcome they wanted. And so I I think it's encouraging to hear that the team came out of that game with their heads held high, even though things didn't come their way. Yeah, that's one of those games where you could really hang your head and sulk at the fact that they lost 2-1 to one close
1: game to Vermont, especially because they dominated puck possession time. They really controlled that Vermont team. Vermont didn't have a lot of puck possession time, nor were they in UMass's end very much. Michael Robble stood tall, despite John's propositions about him might maybe not playing too well. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm actually a little surprised he played. Yeah, I, am I am as well. Too. But I thought, he played, I thought he played very good, solid hockey. And like you said, Andrew, the goal that came back, one of those losses that really nag at you, good thing that they kept their heads high. But another Hockey East game that managed to just slip away.
2: Yeah, you said it, Jacob. I mean, they're tied with UConn now. Yeah, I believe for fifth or sixth in the hockey standings. Of course, UConn has played two more games. Be sixth place. Yeah, uh, UConn's played two more games than UMass and Hockey East, and of course, UMass isn't going to play another Hockey East game until January. So, a bit of a rough way to go out on the Hockey East plan. December, or, yeah, December twenty twenty three. So, um, unfortunate to see their last game played. Go the way that it did, but of course, the Miniman did pick up the one point in overtime. Uh, I think we saw a couple different up- upsets, not to go into talking about like BC, but they were, they were, uh, they lost to Northeastern in their first game. Uh, of course, UMass lost to Vermont, so a uh, couple upsets this weekend. And, you know, <laughs> talking about Michael Harabal, of course, he, he played great. Um, didn't expect him to play, as we said. Uh, I thought it would be Cole Brady, uh, given Harabal's last start against Vermont, but. It, it, it was a good defensive game played by UMass. Um, we were talking about last week how we thought they'd start out firing out of the gate, and that it, it kind of happened. But then, I mean, <laughs> look at the score sheet; they didn't score till the third period again. And but they also didn't have that like third period jump that we're used to seeing. So, while well, maybe they should have won the game, and due to a, a bad penalty, you know, they weren't able to. And the end of the day, it's just another one that slips through their fingers.
0: You know, I think I think going back to Harabo speaks to how much confidence Greg Carvel has in him. In at you know, obviously we've been harping on this all year, but he's such a young goalie, and still you know, with the amount of trust he has in him, and you know, it, it helped. I think it helped that Vermont, you know, took back control of the game about midway through the first. I, I think you know they they they, out, they ended up outshooting UMass. Uh, it it ended up. I think it helped him get into the game. Obviously, we were talking about it um, during the game. He was giving up some pretty juicy rebounds, like he normally like he normally does. He tends to uh, at the beginning of games, but I think he settled in pretty quickly, and I think that's part of what caused the game to be such low scoring. Yeah, and if you
1: look back to where this game was lost, I guess Ryan Ufko and Jack Musa kind of alluded it to us yesterday in the in the press conference after their practice. They just didn't get a lot of traffic in front of the net. That's something that they've said they've really tried to work on. They're going to try to do that against Alaska Anchorage, but not a lot of bodies in front. I think back to Lucas Van Roboy's goal in Cambridge. It was Liam Gorman right in front of the net, the big Liam Gorman that had the screen, and they have to get back to a lot of screens. They have to pick up the rebounds in front. That's something that Musa and Ofko both alluded to and they're really gonna have to do that if they want to score goals because in the end one goal a game isn't going to cut it
0: and you know that i think i'm going to talk about that a bit more later because i think that uh i think that uaa's goalie has a tendency to let in those kinds of uh shots that van Roboys took at harvard but i mean it it really is uh, it really is a good point uh vermont as, as we've seen those three games, they're a really, they have a really good defensive structure. I uh, believe, believe it was a box plus one, a t, uh, one, one that a lot of NHL teams are going to It worked really well for Vegas. Uh, they attribute that to a, a lot as to why they won the Stanley cup, you know? So I think, I, I think it's, it's going to be really important to try and figure out, figure that out towards the end. Quinnipiac used that last year too. Um, You know, it seems like you. A lot of the better teams uh, structurally are using that system. So, you know, if if you're going to figure, if you're going to figure it out, you're gonna you're gonna have to have time to to do it. And you know, it's a learning experience. It's a really young team. uh, So, you know, if they if they get time to figure it out, maybe they'll they'll have it settled in. You know, towards towards the end of the year.
2: Yeah, as you said, Andrew, really young group. Um, strength has been the power play, though. But just to go back to what didn't work against Vermont, the power play didn't work. They were zero for four, um, and that's. It looked
0: a, bad at times too, yeah, in
2: that. They did, and you know, at towards the end of the game, it was like, oh well, good. <laughs> don't want them on the power play you know cuz maybe there's a miscall or something but uh, they played better in 5 on 5 jack musa i believe scored his first 5 on 5 goal of the season
0: he had uh, he had one in the uh in the harvard game
2: oh well, but yeah yeah so <laughs> last two games two 5 on 5 goals from musa so that's good to see after his first three or four were uh, all in the power play but of course the power play didn't function well against vermont so that's something to keep in mind you were talking um in the uh, press conference with Coach Carville yesterday, and uh, he kind of uh, made fun of you. Andrew said the Miniman don't score a power play goal uh, against Anchorage this weekend. He, he said I'll let the guys know that Andrew Golden.
0: I was said just they have I to- was just making my <laughs> pitch to be their uh, their new special teams coach. Yeah,
2: and uh, you know he said if they, if they don't score a goal, they won't win. But you know I think that's a, a, a good point that you made, Andrew. That uh, power play needs to to score, and it, it's a it's very important that. They get the puck in the net when they're on the power play, especially against a, a poor team like Vermont and even Anchorage, who has struggled this year.
1: Yeah, and Andrew, you also you asked a really good question to Jack Musa on his five-on-five play and what he's been doing, and he just said being stronger on the puck, being more closer to the net is where he's going to score his goals, and I think the emergence of Jack Musa really could be a catalyst to the success of Idar Sunyev and Don Zloshmelis. If they get those two guys going, keep in mind, all three freshmen there's not you don't expect too much out of them but if you get that really young group going and you get that energy i think that can really translate to success for this umass offense
0: and idar sunyev is a guy that that's always gonna look to feed guys out in front and if you know musa is going to be able to start putting putting those pucks in five on five he's gonna be He's going to be going towards the front of the net all the time, and that's just—it's going to be really exciting to watch that 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 line develop as the year goes on. You've, you've seen, obviously, seen some improvements um, from over the course of the season with Don Zlichmelis having to get kind of a late start, you know. But it's been really exciting to watch those that that line progress.
1: And the other thing about Musa, sorry, John, is that I didn't realize how small he is. He's really not that big of a guy when we when we did the press conference with him, just 5'10", 172 pounds. But you see on the ice his play. He's a complete pest, really good forechecker. And I think if you combine that with Sunyev's natural ability to make plays, I think they could really get in the groove. Talking about Musa,
2: he's also an older guy as well. <laughs> we were talking about the, the World Juniors, and him being a freshman, he's not eligible for it because he's, I believe, is an early 03. So as a freshman, he, he kind of has that age that perhaps Sunyev and Lashmelis don't have, and I, I think that's showing. you know, He's played hockey for a couple of years longer than them maybe, and you know he, he's he's played really well. But about Leshmelis, Carvel said that uh, the four games he was held out of kind of held him back, so I, I think, you know, of course, after this uh, holiday break, um, I think we'll really start to see the team take shape going through January and through the uh, end of the season because uh, the group's going to get the flow going together, especially that uh, those freshmen.
0: The thing I will say about that, though, is that it was confirmed yesterday that Dons Lashmelis was... Uh, Placed on the Team Latvia roster for the World Juniors again, which you know it, that was to be expected. Uh, but that's going to be a little bit more time that he's going to be be away from the team for. You're going to expect Michael Hrabal to be with Team Czechia. Uh, I'm pr- I'm pretty sure he was breaking in. Uh, he was breaking in a solid red glove. So if that if that indicates anything, uh, I think that means he's pretty much set for Team Czechia. I don't think I'm breaking anything because it was pretty much gonna happen anyway but you know i mean it those those are two players like you said that especially don's that we we said he has been you know behind a little bit he's gonna be a bit more behind and 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 that uh you know it's it's just gonna be about keeping it up yeah and i think
1: the world juniors is a good point i think back to last year umass lost ryan off and and Kenny Connor is seeing them go off to play for a Team USA. Coach Carville doesn't seem to be too annoyed by that. It certainly was in- enjoyable to see those two players play. They missed them for, I believe, what was it, two games, Andrew? Can you confirm that? I think they missed two. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so they missed them for two games, but it didn't impact UMass too much, and maybe this is an opportunity for Don Zlushmelis to really go over and play for his countrymen and-, and find his mojo back a little bit, not to say that he's been... Playing bad or anything, he's got two goals, one assist, three points in ten games. But when you're playing with your fellow countrymen, you're off the college campus. It can it, there's a chance it can revitalize you, and I think we saw that a little bit with Huffco and Kenny Connors last year.
0: And Ufko made a good point yesterday too at uh, at uh, player media. He said it's going to be a lot of these players' first opportunity to go home in a while. Um, so if if Don's is maybe feeling a little feeling a little homesick. Um, but also, you know, with, with Team Latvia, he's probably he's one of their elder statesmen at this point. This is going to be his, his third World Junior Championship tournament. So he's probably going to be in their top six. He was in their top six last year. Uh, I, have, I, I believe it's a good chance for him to, to get on the score sheet, maybe find some of that confidence, you know, that we, we, we've seen him. He, he's played well. Car- and Carvel says that. He's played well. Um. The obviously the, the stats haven't quite shown up for him yet, but maybe it's just a matter of him getting on the score sheet for Team Latvia.
2: And I, I think this can only help him. You know, as you said, Andrew, build some confidence, get some pucks in the back of the net, because right now he's unfortunately not doing that here in Massachusetts. So hopefully, well, where is it being played? In Finland, I, b- I believe, this year? I actually did not. I actually don't know. I think it's in Finland. So hopefully over... In Finland, he can, um, <laughs> you know, get start scoring some goals. But yeah, as I said, I, think, I was saying earlier, you know, once uh, January hits, of course, travel and Lashmelis they are gonna looks like spend at least two, maybe three games away from the UMass team. So I think, especially for Lashmelis it'll be a good conference booster coming back here in January, and hopefully continue some potential momentum that he'll build up in the junior championship.
1: Yeah, Andrew, that's a great point. I didn't even think about that when Ryan Ufko said that. A lot of the guys haven't been home, and that's so important. You think back to how early these guys are here. They're not here September 1st on campus. They're here well before us in the summer, training, getting ready, putting on some muscle. So that's going to be really important just from a a personal standpoint for them. And I I also want to look forward and ask you guys what you think UMass is going to do as we enter the 2024 year because right now they sit at nine wins, Four losses, one tie. They have a lot of hockey East games that they still have to play. They still have to play Boston College. They still have to play UNH. They still have to play Maine, and that's towards the far end of the stretch. The final couple of games of the season is going to be so important, and I think that's really going to indicate whether or not this UMass team is competitive in Hockey East.
0: And and I think that's just how how they want it. You know, Uh, it it kind of it kind of fell that way. You know, we I don't I don't think. Maybe maybe Carville was expecting Maine to be as good as they are, um, knowing knowing who Ben Barr is, and I mean obviously seeing their recruiting class, it was pretty crazy. But you know UNH being good uh, was unexpected, BC being good was expected. Um, but having all those, you know, towards the end of your schedule, I think that's that's going to be exactly how they want it. It's going to be ramped up right to a point where they'll hopefully be playing with playoff intensity before it even starts. Looking through
2: February and into March, it's a a tough stretch of games. You have two against BC, two against New Hampshire, but you said it, Andrew, I think that's exactly how UMass wants it. You know, they've looked down upon some worse teams in the past like Northeastern, like Vermont. Aaron Bollinger said it after the game against Northeastern that they didn't bring the intensity that they should have because they weren't facing as high of a profile opponent, but the teams like UNH, teams like BC, they are the high-profile, ranked opponents that they need to have that intensity against, or else, plain and simple, they're going to lose. But I think you know, they, they've played really well against ranked teams. We've seen it this year, and... Yeah, it's going to be a fun stretch of games in, in February.
1: And I was actually listening to a podcast with Henrik Lundqvist and Mika Zabandjad the other day, and Zabandjad was talking about the hockey season and how there's certain checkpoints in the NHL, and that applies not just to the NHL, but college hockey. For UMass right now, I think this, the checkpoint is coming into Alaska Anchorage and getting two wins. If they can do that, they're a little bit over that halfway, excuse me, quarterway mark in the season. Then they go up to Lake Placid, and maybe get some momentum games under their belt. And then once the new year comes, like you guys said, 2024, pedal to the metal. You got to start playing really good hockey. That's when the second checkpoint comes. And after that early stretch in January and February, hopefully UMass is rolling because it's going to get really dicey really quick.
2: I was just counting the amount of ranked opponents they have left, and I've counted potentially five. Of course, you have Lake Placid, you know, um, Cornell. They'll face Cornell, and potentially even Arizona State. So you said, Jacob, you know, get get the wins that you need against Anchorage, and then really try to build the momentum. And I think we're looking a little bit ahead here, but this team takes one weekend at a time, and you know, right now they're they're focusing on. Uh, the Alaska Anchorage series, and, and that's what's important right now, and they'll worry about the high-profile opponents later. But, yeah, it's just a good time to build some momentum right now.
0: Is it too early to do a, a mid-season debriefing? No. If, if I was... I, I would present to you guys a question of what do you think they've done the best uh, so far this season, and what do you think they need to improve on heading into 2024? So, I mean, if you guys want to want to take a shot at that, I mean... It, we've we've seen a lot of, of their play so far. Uh, we've we've been able to, you know, gather a lot of information about that. So,
2: I I think the thing they've done best is their third period of play. I mean, that's not necessarily a stat or anything, but they've been a third period team and they've closed out games so well. And that what they've also done very well is. Not giving up and continue to fight through these games. Never giving up is the motto of this uh, year's hockey team. And what they can improve on, of course, I I mean, recency bias, the power play, you know, 0 -0 for 4 against Vermont. They are ranked 20th in the nation, so that's that's pretty good, but can only go up from there, right? So I think that's a, a big thing to improve on, especially this weekend. If Considering
0: a- there's 64 teams, you could actually go a lot further down. Well, but-, right. <laughs> but I don't, I
2: don't see them going below 30th if, if if they continue their little skid there. But I mean,
0: yeah, no, the- this is a team that that is historically, especially in the Carville area, had been really good on their on the power play. Yeah. So I, I I don't think they they're going to dip much lower than than you know lower top third. Yeah, this was a loaded question, so I panned to John to answer it. So, <laughs> My
1: my thoughts on this is I think the best thing that they've done this season is getting veteran scoring. Think about it. That's something that completely did not exist last year. They didn't have any veteran scoring. Maybe it was Reed Lefster, Cal Kefuke, Matt Koopman even. That was about it. So the fact that four of their... top five scorers are all upperclassmen and Morrow and Mercury and Lonback and Ufko, the fact that they can rely on them gives a lot more growing opportunities for the underclassmen like Jack Musa and Sunyev. Think about it. Imagine the upperclassmen weren't producing right now and the whole game was focused on Sunyev scoring and Lush Mellis and some of these younger guys it's just that you're not going to win hockey games that way so the fact that they're structured right now around the upperclassmen is a really good thing and they're going to lean on that as we get closer to Hockey East play the biggest negative that I've seen from UMass it's just the inconsistent play and it is keep in mind Despite our midseason rankings, as we call it, it's still pretty early in the year. A lot of these guys haven't had a chance to build chemistry now. They really should be building it. But the inconsistencies irked me a little bit. I think they're going to gain some consistency as they bond a little bit more. Keep in mind, they, they haven't really had any big trips from what we've seen. So going to Lake Placid, getting to bond a little bit more as a team, I think that's going to be really important for
0: this UMass team. I do like your point about the The upperclassmen, because you know what was the story last year? It's you know, can Kenny Connors keep up his pace? Can Cole O'Hara, you know get on the score sheet? It, it was it was a lot about those guys, and they were freshmen. That was that was a lot. That was a heavy burden to to put on them. Um, but I mean, obviously Kifuke and Lebster were up there in scoring all all year last year. Um, but even still, it was you. You, you saw them depend on guys like Connors and O'Hara probably a little too much um, as, as for me I think that what they, what, what's been the best this year is I have never been uncomfortable with the goaltender in that uh, I think that is the absolute biggest difference from last year to this year is that you, you never knew what you were going to get from, from the goaltender last year um, you know, this year obviously there's been a couple clunkers. Brady had the one in Michigan, or sorry, versus Michigan. Uh, Harwell had the one versus Vermont. Had the one at Harvard. You know, but you, you, you've never really been been worried about who's going to be in the net. You know, day to day, it's you 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 feel I feel at least confident that whoever they put in net is going to get the job done, and you know it it's that's that's a, I think that's a relief and i think that is something that can go throughout the whole team
1: yeah i mean think about it almost what a year ago we were wondering who's who's going to be the guy is it henry graham is it cole brady is it luke pavisic that was a really scary perilous time for umass and in, in terms of goaltending because they didn't really have a guy but right now like you said, Andrew, they have that anchor net, which is so important. When you have a guy that you can rely on to stand between the pipes and really bail you out when times get tough, and when you have the opportunity to pick them up, which I think UMass has to do a little bit better of on the defensive side, picking up their goalies. When you have that net, you get to play free hockey, and that's been my point this whole time: is being able to have your guys that can play free hockey, careless not excuse me, not careless hockey, but um, risky hockey. You know, tr- tr- playing hockey that's bold. That's going to really help this team.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, it, you, you you saw it last year with, you know, Morrow making some silly mistakes and then it would just end up in the back of the net, you know. Uh, you know, he, uh, you feel like he's been more free this season. And maybe that has to do with with more confidence in the goaltending. Maybe that has to do with something that he's done year, year to day. But... You know he's he's still more confident with the puck, and that confidence is turning into you know not turning it over as nearly as much as as he has. And so I I think that it's a good point. It can it can go throughout the whole team.
2: I I'll say I just had to step out
0: for a second. I just let in
2: some, two alumni gentlemen, huh. way, way back in the seventies, a part of WMUA News apparently. So shout out to them for coming in. Get them on a mic. hey I, I, they were. Uh, talking about some uh, political stuff that right. <laughs> will stay away from this sports show, but yeah, I believe you're just talking about Scott Morrow. He's had such an improvement this year. You know, he's He still struggles defensively a little bit, but you know, he's had times where he's just skating circles around the opposing team. You know, I think back to Northeastern when Connor scored that overtime goal. And I think to Harvard, the second goal of the game scored by Morrow, he just skated circles around the offensive zone, found his way into the middle of the slot. I, I still
0: can't believe they gave him that
2: much room. I know, but I don't know how you can with with a. So, but I, I think. It, It's all him, honestly. He's making a great amount of space for himself to make plays, and it's so good to see.
1: And I do want to highlight that. I think a lot of the criticisms in years past of Scott Morrow, which mostly in the defensive zone, and sometimes he... He loses the puck a little bit, but that's only because he has such a high upside. You don't get criticism if you're not a guy that is incredible. Scott Morrow's talent is incredible. He's a really great hockey player, and the reason maybe people are are critical of him is because of some of those mistakes, if you will, but that's a guy that he's just a really great hockey player, and if, if he s up on some of the things that maybe he 's been doing wrong, which we 've seen him improve on this off this past season he 's had a really good season so far, I think he 's going to continue it
2: yeah, I mean I, you just heard a criticism about his defense for me right so I, you know there 's just times where he just gets lost in the defensive zone, I think, but you said, jake, I think you know he's he 's still young at the end of the day only a junior, and i I think there 's so much room to improve from him he has he has an a plus grade for me in the offensive attacking zone but the defense you know improve a little bit but he, he's getting there
1: I do think he's cleaned up on it
2: yes definitely
0: yeah definitely the the turnovers aren't nearly as egregious I think I think he he knows I think he knows better how long to keep the puck you know a lot, a lot of times he would just try and send it sometimes and and that would result in some pretty ugly turnovers um, but I think they may, may, may be part of you know confidence, being, being, able, being able and willing to hold on to the puck until you know you can make a move with it and instead of you know just not using your head and just throwing it around. So uh, I, I, I seen I think I've seen uh, a heavy increase in his, in his hockey IQ over the past year and whether that has to do, with you know everything around him or if it's something he worked on himself it's been encouraging to see
1: yeah and i think it's the the whole thing with morrow is it's a mental thing for him and i've seen his vision improve for sure because there's nothing physical about his game that needs to step up he protects the puck like an absolute bull and i know andrew you played you ever play with guys that are incredible skaters that like maybe some junior players and when you're really young and you can't get the puck away from them, like there's 10 guys trying to get the puck from them. that's what it looks like when people try to strip the puck from scott morrow his physical capabilities is incredible it looks like he's seeing the game at a lot faster level this year
0: you know i think of one person when you say that growing up playing with sasha Passagev, he was that guy you know he was never the fastest skater still isn't you know that that's uh he's he's a ducks prospect now and he he was you know never never the fastest skater. That was always his you know the the biggest thing that that he needs he needed to improve on in this in his game. But man, when he had the puck, you just could not shake him off it. And that was what always impressed me, especially since he was an 0-3 playing with O ones all the time. And you know that that's just that's just that. I, I think it's the I think that's the best comparison to make. Obviously, Sasha's a forward. Uh, Morrow's a defenseman, but it's, it's the same kind of concept.
1: Yeah, I think about all the little kids at the hockey camps trying to steal the puck from their counselor, the 10-on-ones. The it's pretty funny. I almost wonder if
2: Morrow should be a forward, but, I mean, obviously he's not going to be one. He's a defenseman, and he's improved defensively, but I think uh, another part of his success this year is just that this team's better than it was last year of course he played really well in this freshman year had a bit of a digression in his sophomore year but he's right back at it this year he's leading the team in points You know, he's scored a couple goals and he said and he just skates circles around guys and he's improving defensively And he, the, the Hurricanes got a good one that's for sure And the, they better keep an eye on him And I'm not sure how much longer UMass is going to have him I'd be surprised if he stuck around after this year
0: I just don't know what they're gonna do, or with all their defensemen.
2: Don't, yeah, the don't the Hur- scary thought. It's,
0: can't talk about it. Don't. Do <laughs> I mean, it. because they, the Hurricanes just hoard defensemen. Like, wh- where is the room for Morrow on that team? I don't know. I would love to entertain
1: this argument, but it's also a little scary. I think we should save him for a later date.
0: <laughs> you, you don't. You don't want to think about him not being on on UMass right now. I can't him and Off go the staple of this UMass defense and team, and also that's that's a reminder that we didn't know if either of them was coming back to this year it yeah. it, it became clear pretty early on that ufco was but you know it moro was up in the air for a bit longer and you know it him being back is probably you know a, a lot of why umass is in the position they are this at this point
1: for sure for sure and, and i guess maybe we should pivot to alaska anchorage coming up
0: yeah definitely um we, you know, we, I I did uh, some scouting of them. They have their games up on on YouTube, so it, it was pretty easy to watch. Like especially, you know, throughout the season, I uh, I I watched the them play UMass Lowell. Um, saw old friend Luke Pavicich, uh get a win for UMass Lowell. I believe I, I can't remember which which one was in net for the win. But anyway, you know, it, it's a team that. Is similar to Vermont in that they are big, they are physical. Um, I think they play a faster game than Vermont, especially the forwards. But from what I've seen, their their systems have a, a greater tendency to break down, and that has allowed for I think that's that's allowed for them to to lose a lot of the games that they have. Is you know getting through their systems. So I, I think you know UMass. Has just got to go hard to the net, and you know they'll get past their defensemen. I think I think it'll be easier uh, than what they were doing against Vermont. Uh, about
2: Alaska Anchorage, though, you, you just look at what they've done this season. It, it reminds me a lot of even Vermont, not not just their style of play, but what what um, what they've accomplished in their schedule. They've been able to split series with two ranked opponents in Penn State and Wisconsin, so another team that UMass can't take lightly no matter what their record is because they've proven that they will beat ranked teams if
1: that team is not prepared well enough or not taking them seriously enough. Yeah, and I think Ufko said it in the presser yesterday. Like you said, Andrew, it's an older team. It's a bigger team, which I don't think UMass is afraid of playing. I think they get a lot of that here in hockey. But they're definitely going to have to be stronger on their sticks. Like Ufko said, they have to play just a a compact game. Don't let all these big guys really rattle their cages. Play that game that they know how to play. And Ufko also talked about how he sees UMass's system as more of like a five-man system rather than three forwards and two defensemen. He says it feels like all five of their players can press up the ice and forecheck so well, but they all get back and move in unison with one another. I just thought that was a cool quote that he said yesterday.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And when he said that, that reminded me of... The the days with Kale McCarr on on their power play, you you can look back at the Frozen Four semifinal. They scored a ridiculous power play goal. Mitchell Chaffey, uh out in front. You know they all all five guys were cycling, moving around on the power play. Obviously, uh, not quite the same as as, as that. But you know this, this is still is still the same concept. I think that's a, a, a great fixture uh, of Greg Carville's system is that he allows all five players to be you know one unit. So I, I I think yeah you're right. That's a really good really good comment, and I think that's I think that's going to help this weekend. Yeah, for sure. And when you see guys
1: like Morrow and skating up the ice, they're just blazing up the middle to one forward will drop back but it just leads all the guys to be involved in the system the forwards that the one forward that drops back on defense wants to be involved he has the capacity to get involved because he's a forward and it just makes for a really dynamic system which is what we've seen this year from UMass and they're going to have to find a way to beat Alaska Anchorage I think they need to take two here it is it's not a conference game but I do think it's really important because then they go up and in Lake Placid, and then they take on Cornell, who's also a really good team. I
2: think it's important to note that Alaska Anchorage has only scored two goals in their last five games. Um, So while they do have the wins against uh, pretty high-powered ranked opponents, they're not putting the puck in the back of the net right now. They've been shut out three times in the last five games, so... It seems like they play a really defensive game, at, and that's how they've been able to get wins. They were able to shut out Wisconsin and score a goal of their own to win one nothing. So, you know, if UMass can't get points on the board, Alaska could or Anchorage that is could easily sneak a win past these Minutemen. And uh, I, I think it's just so important to just not take them lightly. And you, know, you said it, Jacob. You need to here,
0: John. You kind of stole one my points there <laughs> in that in the midst of that stretch of two goals in five games is a win.
2: Right. You that's know,
0: crazy. so, I mean, that's just crazy to think about. And especially since after that goal followed a streak of 193 minutes and 30 seconds of them being shut out, you know, so it's obviously they're not going to score. They are 58th out of 64 teams in goals per game with two an average of two goals per game. If you take out the 6-5 the to five win over Penn State, which is, I'll admit, it's cherry-picking, uh, they'd be averaging one and two-thirds goals per game. So they, they don't score a lot of goals. But, again, just to emphasize that Penn State game, they do have the, the ability to just break open at some points you know and especially against ranked teams they were they were 13th at the time penn state was and wisconsin was number 6 so they they have the ability to upset some guys uh, i like the i like the quote from Carville on tuesday said they can win they can beat good teams on the road the message will be about what we do not about what the opponent does
1: yeah and and a lot of our points are similar to what we said again in vermont last week and then two weeks before that in vermont again it's just that i think if if you go out and you play a malaise style of hockey, they're going to come out and beat you. They have the capacity to do that, and they will. If you sit on your heels and you make mistakes, they will come in the other end. They'll put the puck in the back of the net. The only the way UMass doesn't let that happen is just play clean, simple hockey. You don't have to stretch the ice as much as possible. You don't have to go for crazy two-on-ones or or really take do anything too risky you still have to play to win the game but if they play a little bit more conservative and safe in their own end as long as they don't make any dumb outlet passes or their breakout is isn't sloppy they should be able to generate enough offense in their top guys up front which we know about you know they they have goal scoring
2: capabilities at
1: anchorage that is i mean
2: their leading sco- a goal scorer has 8 and that's Maximilian Helgeson. I apologize if I've butchered his name. Good Helgeson. Luck. Good luck with that on the broadcast, Andrew. He
0: goes but. by Max Helgeson. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I the, the the good thing about uh, watching the home broadcast for UAA is that I I get to see uh, a lot of their uh, pronunciations. So this this one guy that um, I was like, oh my god, I don't know how I'm going to pronounce his name. Uh, it's, it's spelled S-C-H-A-C-H-L-E and it's pronounced Shackle. So, you know, that 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 was a that was that was a weight off my chest hearing that name and being like oh okay, um, but yeah Max Helgeson he is a free shooter uh, he scored the overtime winner in a, the I think it was the opener against UMass Lowell uh, and he just wrapped around and ripped it you know so uh, look for him to shoot the puck um, William Gilson is going to be a fixture on their power play they have they actually have two defensemen on their power play uh on their first unit it's going to be uh gilson and bamber um gilson is is their shooter um he's he actually has the most shots on the team and uh you know so he's probably going to be their their quarterback um you know so they, they they got some guys they definitely got some guys and they they got a goalie that can steal games uh, Jared Whale has looked really good at times, um, he, but he can he can also he can also give up some goals that he would want back.
2: You know, Nine twelve save is nothing to take lightly there. But uh, not to steal your point, Andrew, about uh, the the special teams. This Alaska Anchorage has taken uh, exactly one hundred penalties on the year. They average five point six a game. So UMass is going to be on the power play, like it or not and I feel like I've said this three or four times this show now, but they need to score on the power play if they're going to be on the man advantage. It's a necessity here, and Carville made fun of you in the presser, but I think you're right, Andrew. They need to was score. he making fun of me? Uh, well, he was like, if, I'll tell the guys, Andrew Golden said, to, they, they, we need to score a power play goal. But you know, that, I thought that was funny. But. I didn't
0: see that as making fun of me. But.
2: <laughs> no, well, For lack of better word. <laughs> but he, he was taking some jabs. He was giving him. me a hard time. Yeah,
1: exactly. Typical of, of Coach Carville, not not in a malicious way, but <laughs> no, he, it's, he's never.
0: It's we, never malicious. Everybody's gotten a jab from him. It's it's a tra- it's a trademark, and and we take it fondly. And you, also, you haven't been to a Carville presser if he hasn't given you a hard time. Exactly, precisely.
1: And also, the one thing that nobody's brought up yet is that Alaska Anchorage is. Well, they're traveling a quite a way mm-hmm. to come here to play UMass. 4,488 miles if you do the drive. I've done it's it before. Drive. Oh, you it, can You've done the drive. <laughs> it's, three, it's three days. I yeah. looked that
0: up. It's three days. Three days, 41 wow. minutes. So throw that in there. Three days, one hour. Yeah,
1: so... Hey, they've traveled to the East Coast before. They do it pretty typically, being that well. It's Alaska Anchorage. But that's an opportunity for UMass to maybe exploit that. Maybe they'll be a little tired. They could catch them on their heels in the first period. But I don't know. It, I think it's snowing outside. So Alaska Anchorage might enjoy that, a little snow on the ground for them, for their welcoming. I do see a bit of snow
0: on the ground. But, you know, it, it's, it's a good point, being being a... Uh, a uh, Independent program. I don't know why that. I blanked on that. You know they're going to play a lot of road games. They're going to play a lot of games, uh, pretty far away from them. And that's just that's also just a, a point of you know being in Alaska. Nobody, nobody's anywhere near them. That's part of why they got kicked out of the old WCHA. You know, they, they, they literally kicked out the, they, they folded and then made a new, new conference without the Alaska teams and without Alabama Huntsville, just because they didn't want to travel all, all the way over that way. So, you know, it, it's, it's going to be tough. And especially because this team uh, was on hiatus a couple years ago, this is year two of the re of their reincarnated program. So there there's, there's, I'm sure there's a, a heavy underdog sense in there. And uh, coach Carville said it on Tuesday as well. He said, it, it's easy to coach. Uh, a, a group of underdogs. You just throw them on a bus and, you know, let them have at it. And I I, I get those kind of vibes with, with Alaska Anchorage. Um, but, you know, I think going back to what he said about what, what UMass does, I think it will be about what UMass does. And on the power play, I think uh, Jared Whale has a tendency to let out shots from distance. And so, uh, look for look for Ufko to pretty much replicate what he did uh, in Vermont. The goal that got called back, I think he's going to score a goal in a pretty similar way.
2: On that, no predictions, maybe. Sure, let's do it. Start it off, John. All right. So, two games set here: Friday, Saturday. Last games of twenty twenty three. I think. Uh, I'm not sure. We, we've talked about it. Numerous times, team, they're not going to come out hot. UMass, that is. And I think that may affect them in maybe the first game. You know, I, I think this could play very similarly against what we saw against Vermont in that two-game series. I'm not saying UMass is going to drop bo- uh, one of the games, but I, I think the first one will be close. Let's go with a 2-1 to final there. Second game, UMass probably builds some momentum, I say. Six to zero the score. In the second game, UMass makes the sweep on to end the year.
0: Oh, John, touchdown. Yeah. I like that. No <laughs> extra point though.
1: Mm, yeah. Uh,
0: but, uh, what do you think? They failed two pointer? <laughs> <laughs> I'll
1: go with I think UMass gets the sweep, and I've said that a few times and I've been wrong, but I do think they get the sweep. I think the first game they win three to one. And I, I also wanna say that I think there's gonna be a split between both goaltenders. I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Keep in mind, UMass hasn't played a two-game series in, what, three weeks now? Yeah. It's, it's been a little while, so we'll see what the goaltending um thought process is there. And then I think the second game, they come out and they they stomp on Alaska Anchorage 5-2. to I You know
2: what? I As for the goalie uh, situation, not to cut your prediction off, Andrew, but...
0: No um, worries. I was still processing a thought yeah. in my mind. I wasn't ready to play it. You're bailing me out here. No problem. I, I think... Why not see rabble both
2: games? And get him ready for the. I know Carvel is not at all concerned. What a change thing. of tune but, this is! I what a change of tune. No, I, I'm. I'm not saying this is a good thing. I'm saying I think this is what's going to happen. I, I. I think. Well, good, good thing <laughs> or good thing or not. it's a prediction. I mean, <laughs> just because I want something to happen, it does, you got to be realistic here. I mean. Uh, I don't know. I think we could see her out both games. Why not? I, I, I mean, I, as, as as I was going to say, I know Carville is not at all concerned with the the Czechia uh, World Junior team that uh, Harable has to attend to. But why not get him two more games before you know he has to go off to a different country to play for a different team? You know, I, I, I think we could totally see two games out of him this this weekend. Why not,
1: John? It appears my analogy of Taking a blind date girl to a steakhouse and playing Michael Robb on that and the high ceiling that that provides has really has really come down on you.
0: Totally, good. I'll, I'll let glad. you believe that. It was <laughs> it was a very moving message, Jacob. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, 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 trust me, I was moving.
0: Oh yeah, you definitely were. Uh, but I, I do agree with you, John. I, I think uh, I, I think it'd be a good chance to get him out there before he before he goes off and plays for Team Czechia. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen. Um. We'll we'll see. Um. As for the series, you know, uh, if you if you look at Alaska's schedule in two game splits, they have a lot. They have a lot of instances where they have a close game, and then they have a game that's really broken open. And the games that have broken open have not gone in their favor. You got a uh, two one loss followed by a five one loss. You got. Six-one loss followed by a five-to-four loss, you know. Um, so I, I, do, I think it's going to follow that pattern. I, I, think that, you know, it's going to be close. They, they, it's a low-scoring team. It, it's, it's a team that doesn't give up a ton of goals either. In, until, until they're really out of it. Um, so I think, I think there's going to be one close game, and then I think UMass takes one pretty handedly, um, but. I, I think we see another thrilling overtime win at the Mullen Center, uh, whether that's Game One or Game Two, we'll see. Um, but I think UMass is going to take the other game pretty handily.
2: Watch this be just an absolute slugfest. I mean, we were we were talking
0: <laughs> we were talking about
2: uh, Harvard, and we, we all predicted that to be a low-scoring game, and we saw how that turned out. So I don't. I think maybe we should stop these predictions. Because... Slugfest <laughs> in
0: terms of scoring or in scoring. terms of You know, after whistle stuff, because this is they they can definitely do that too. Obviously, a lot of it has to do with the six-game Governors Cup series against uh, Alaska Fairbanks. Uh, Those uh, last two games last weekend got pretty pretty rough. That has to be a
2: crazy rivalry. I I can't even imagine that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and especially since uh, especially since Fairbanks has taken. Every single game from them since the uh, reincarnation of UAA, so you know it—it's definitely a, a brutal series, and it was fun to watch. Um, but just because of the circus, it kind of became. Uh, I asked Ryan Ufko about that, and you know he said he he said he just got to you just got to keep the team reeled in, make sure they don't get into you know all that stuff after the whistle, and it. Uh, for, for the most part, I think UMass is a pretty disciplined team. I don't think you'll see too much of that. Um, but, you know, that could be another way to goad them into taking penalties. So uh, that, that could be a pretty big factor.
1: Yeah, UMass is really going to have to anchor themselves and keep them out of the penalty box against Alaska Anchorage, if you will. And on that note, fellas, any final thoughts Ooh. going into this weekend? Well, no, <laughs> they they they
0: gotta take them both. I think. Yeah, totally. I, I think I think they will view anything less than six points as, as as a bad weekend. So we'll we'll see them. I, I think I think we'll see them with the with the intensity that 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 comes with that.
2: Yeah, I, I don't have any funny analogy for you, Jacob. But a, as Andrew said, gotta gotta take both games. The, not I I said it in probably a text message to our hockey chat. Anything less. Well, of course, there's no points on the line here, but anything less than three points, I think, in both games is unacceptable. You, you predicted overtime, and I respect that, but both games have to end in re- regulation, and they have to be you know, defining wins to end the year.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I do think that they need both wins, but they also needed a win against Vermont, and that wasn't the end of the world. It Kind of a game that you left with your head held high, but with that being said, that's pretty much a wrap. I do want to Talk about a little bit the NHL if we have time. Is that okay?
2: I, I've got class in eight you minutes. Got class? Well, <laughs> you guys
1: can have You please. better start talking. <laughs> Andrew, Gold Bruins
2: and Rangers and Lightning suck.
1: Fair enough. <laughs> Me and you, Andrew. Let's do it. Uh, what do you want to talk about?
0: The Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, okay. Austin Watson was the farter, by the way. Anything else? Give me your rant. What? Give me the best rant. <laughs> did you not see that, John? No, I, I did. <laughs> Why are we
2: talking about that?
0: I, I just wanted to throw that out there. I, that I that I found out who it was, and it was Austin Watson. So That's incredible. Um, it's not Vassy. It was it was Watson. <laughs> um, as as for the team, you know, uh, I think I think that that game, you know, before that was the the best game they've played all year. I know that people were talking about the Bruins, the game against the Bruins, the overtime win against the Bruins, being their best. But I think that I think that one is better. That, that was
2: their best game, then that's that's an issue for the, you over there.
0: Huh? Well, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm I think, just playing. I, I, I think that yes, or I think it was yes. No, it was two days ago. I think that was their best game of the year, and um, you know, it it took it took them a while to to get going in 2019 20. I. I I would consider their their turning point either the the Sweden series against Buffalo or the or the New Year's New Year's Eve game against also Buffalo, um, but you know it, it's a slow starting team. It was the the issues were especially glaring this year, um, but I still have tons of faith in them. Uh, I I'll, I'll I'll believe they're done when I see it.
2: On that note, I'll let you take it away, Jacob. But uh, thanks for having me, boys. I gotta run. So thanks, Sean. Good luck. Get out here. Of here. Good have luck a, a, Have this, a good class. Good luck here in this Rangers propaganda over here. Go but,
0: get uh, that seat. Oh, I don't. I don't know if I've ever heard propaganda from <laughs> Jacob. I think it's always been. Oh man, we suck.
1: It's straight facts. I'm a straight facts guy. See you later,
0: John. Um,
1: even though they're up there, though, right? Dude, they're up there. They were first in the league as of yesterday. They lost last night. I believe it was three two. I was I was in the gym. I didn't get to watch the whole game, but they lost getting, to the the pump in the center. Getting the pump in, yeah, we got to get yes, pumped sir. up when the Rangers are pumped down. But that being said, the goaltending issue. I know you're a big goaltending guy. Being that you guys have Vasilevsky. I'm not too considered. Um, excuse me, I'm not too concerned with Igor Shosturkin. I think the defense has been exceptionally well in front of him, but it is a little glaring to see him
0: not play his best hockey i think you know he's he's built up the reputation similar to vasilevsky you know with shisterkin is shisterkin vasilevsky is vasilevsky you know i think they'll both find i think they'll both find themselves by the end of the year um it'll it'll probably be they'll they'll be okay i don't i don't think there's gonna be a goaltending issue and you know especially since uh, their, their backup, Jonathan Quick, has randomly uh, returned to his uh, con Smythe winning form. Shout out, Jonathan Quick, UMass legend.
1: UMass alum, gotta love that. Let me tell you, as a guy that
0: was heartbroken by Jonathan
1: Quick in 2014... I was not happy with him coming over, but starting the season, I believe he's seven zero and one. He's either six zero one or seven zero one. He's looked really good. I can't believe a guy his age is playing that good of hockey.
0: He's he's at fourth in goals saved above expected, and he has by far the the, the lowest workload of, of everybody in that in the top of that list. It's all it's all guys that are like solid starters. Aiden Hills up there. Um, I, I I forget who else, but. You know he he's up there and he's played eight games. Yeah, it's it's, it, it's it's a point where I've I've added him on my fantasy team, knowing that he's not going to get many games, but that he's probably going to make up for it with the amount of fantasy points he's going to get me. Oh, it's
1: it's ridiculous. You must be loving that, so that's fun. But there's a lot of good hockey left. I mean, we've seen a really good hockey season. I know we're kind of running out of time in the show, but there's some good hockey coming up. NHL Winter Classic January 1st should be a lot of fun. Do I we- hate to admit it, but I told. Oh, it's
0: Seattle Vegas. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Se- Seattle jerseys are unreal. By the way, uh, have you seen them? Yeah, I got to check them out. Yeah, they were they were leaked by uh, they were leaked by like WWE or something like that. Really? Yeah, I got to find them. Uh, it, it's a it's an ode to their old Seattle Metropolitans jerseys. You know with the the red the red stripes, the Seattle going down the going down the S. It. it those are their, their beauties. I uh, can't say the same for for Vegas's jerseys. They've they've really been, uh, they've really been letting me down on the jersey front. First with the 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 switch to the Dijon Mustards as their home jerseys. I can't believe that they won the Stanley Cup with those things. Oh, uh, the Chrome Domes. Those have hated Those have been those have been gross. Those have always been gross. Don't make the Chrome Domes a thing. Leave that in Europe. Oh, that's I. I can't but say uh, that. but the the Winter Classic jerseys are just just another addition. Have you ever been to a Winter Classic? I have not. Me neither. I want to go. I do. I mean, I'm from Florida. What? what yeah. You think I'm going to have a <laughs> well, chance you to? The, I, you had the, the NCAA, NCAA tournament a few years ago, didn't you? Or was yeah, last year? they've they've had the uh, they've had the Frozen Four there yeah. three times now, and that's actually how we got started. Uh, my my dad and I uh, went to the Frozen Four in Tampa in 2012. We got to see uh, then freshman Johnny Gaudreau take BC to the championship. Uh, Chris Kreider was in there too but um yeah we've we just followed it ever since it's been there three times. I got to see the the Quinnipiac uh ten second overtime winner that was that was a beauty that's probably probably the best sports moment I've had this year is being able to see that in person um but i we I didn't go to the stadium series game in Nashville just' because, you know yeah, yeah, but uh yeah, I mean it is it is what it is, yeah. And I know the and, Rangers, and I'm sure the Rangers will get get another shot at an outdoor game soon enough, right? Oh, for
1: sure. Yeah, MetLife Stadium, Rangers Islanders. I've got a buddy that's. Oh, going Oh, is that going, happening? That's yeah, a, it's that's a stadium hap- series legit game? stadium series game at MetLife. I'm not a big stadium series guy, to be honest. I just even like not even stadium series outdoor games because. MetLife is the biggest stadium in the NFL. Like I've never understood the view. Like how, how can you see a hockey rink, you know, on, on an NFL
0: field? Definitely got to bring your binoculars for that. Y-
1: yeah, for sure. I just feel like I'd much rather watch it at the Garden or, or in my comfy sofa.
0: Yeah, exactly. Especially since it's probably going to be pretty cold out there too.
1: Oh, yeah, going to be freezing. Remember
0: when the uh, remember when the Winter Classic was in was in Minneapolis? Oh yeah. And it was like 4 degrees out. People were just bundled up and and the Blues just ran them out of Target Field. That was bad. Like, like imagine being a wild fan going to that game and just being run out of out of your out of your your baseball team's building, your own barn. Yeah, I mean that's horrible. I will say that
1: when it does snow in the Winter Classic games, if it does, it, I think it's a cool look.
0: That or, is true. Yeah, it's
1: one of my favorite looks.
0: the uh, The snow in the first ever Winter Classic was probably the best thing that's, that's happened to the sport of. in a while.
1: It's awesome, isn't it?
0: You know the the, the shots of, of Crosby staring down. I think it was Ryan Miller. In the shootout with the snow with the snow falling, no, that's just that that's something that that turned the winter classic into an instant classic.
1: Oh, for sure that that did it justice tremendously, and it brings you back to the pond hockey days on the ice. I love mm-hmm. playing pond hockey with the snow falling.
0: I I really hope we get to we get to do that uh, this winter. Hopefully, it'll get cold enough so that the ponds will even freeze. I don't I don't think I was I was even able to yeah, last year since the pond. Uh, since the ponds around here never never froze enough, so uh, you know, hopefully we get to do that again, or at least I, uh, hopefully I get to do it at some point. Yeah, you know, um, but I think that's gonna just about do it for this sh- this week's show. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank thank you for listening to us talk about nonsense for for half the time. Uh, we got both games of this weekend series. Devin Dobeck, Brian Samuels will be with you on friday and i will be with mark we will be c- calling that game on saturday so we will be happy to have you guys along with us uh until then have a great have a great day have a great weekend well uh, we'll see you on friday